thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Ship Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. Today's topic is going to be all about type 2 diabetes and weight loss. As studies have shown, shift workers are quite vulnerable to developing conditions like insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes, along with being prone to weight gain and obesity. And to talk more about this topic, I've invited Wendy Stewart from Melbourne as our guest speaker today. Wendy has lost a massive 40 kilograms and has also managed to change her lifestyle to a point where she's no longer dependent on insulin, which is an incredible achievement. Originally from New Delhi in India, Wendy moved to Australia when she was 15 years old and currently works at Monash University in Melbourne. Wendy worked shift work in her younger years whilst working at her local Hoyt Cinemas in addition to spending time working in the manufacturing plant at NEC. She's a huge fan of all things to do with aviation, so she gets a big th- uh, thumbs up tick from me, <laughs> along with being a mad cricket and football fan. Plus, she also happens to have the most wicked sense of humour. So to tell us more about type 2 diabetes and weight loss, I'd like to give a warm, healthy shift worker welcome to Wendy. Hello. 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 Thank you, Miss Starkey. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, it's great to have you, Wendy. Um, how's it uh, down there in Melbourne uh, today? Well, it's actually a little bit chilly and overcast and cold, <laughs> but uh, we'll have no Melbourne weather jokes, thank you very much, up <laughs> over there, who when it gets to 20 degrees puts a jumper on, seriously. <laughs> Come on now. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know me, I can't help to do my uh, Melbourneian um, I know, jokes I know. But, it's yeah. okay. I love you anyways. <laughs> Look, it is really, really nice to have you um, on the podcast, Wendy. And look, one of the reasons why I wanted to invite you on is that a lot of shift workers, uh, you know, we often experience that ongoing chronic fatigue and tiredness because of our sleep-deprived lifestyle. And this has that flow-on effect of having a diet high and takeaway and processed foods, which often leads, you know, to, uh, to weight gain. But you've got an amazing weight loss and type 2 diabetes reversal story. And the majority of this has come about from making the switch from a diet high in refined and processed foods to one which contains more whole foods. But I'll let you tell us more about that shortly. But just to, you know, kickstart the interview, I'd love for you to share us about a little about your shift working story. And when, when did you start working shift work, the sort of shifts that you did, you know, how you found it, etc. Yes, sure. My absolute pleasure. So my shift to a career started pretty early on in life. And until you asked me, you know, to be on your show and gave me a few things to consider, I didn't really think of myself as a shift worker. I went, I'm not a shift worker. But the more I thought about it, the more I really was. And this started when I was about 15. You know, I got my first after school job, as you do. But for me, I happened to get a job at the Meyer Burke Street City Store in Melbourne. And when I started, I used to just work. um, They didn't have, they only had Friday night, late night shopping and Saturday to lunchtime shopping. So my shift was Friday night and Saturday morning. And then as the years progressed, it became, you know, all day Saturday trading, Thursday night, late night trading, Sunday, all day trading. 
And when you got to Christmas, I, I'm sure you know there are 24 hours, you know, of shopping that a lot of the big shopping centers have these days. Mm-hmm. And my own, the city incorporated that. So I started working, you know, okay, those don't sound like, you know, big shifts. But when you're at school all day and then you've got to catch the train into the city, which was a 40-minute ride in, and, you know, do your work and then come home and you're not getting home till maybe 10, 11 on a Friday night and you're back in the city the first thing the next morning and, you know, you're there all day Saturday, sometimes you were there all day Sunday, it really leaves you with no life whatsoever because it's school and work, work and school, a little bit of sleep and, you know, that was my introduction to working life. Carrying on to when I went to college, it was the same thing. I worked at the big shopping centre, Chadston, here at the Hoyts Movie Theatre. And I would work, you know, after in between lectures, in you know, after hours work. And that's when I started working later into the night because, you know, the movies are open till quite late. So I could have a shift that started, say, at six at night and didn't finish till midnight or sometimes one or two in the morning. Mm-hmm. And if they had the 24-hour, you know, the movie marathons they have, Audra? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. some, yeah, I'd forgotten. I actually worked, you know, started, I think, at 10 at night and finish at three in the morning and, you know, crazy stuff like that. And then you'd get up and go to college the next day and go to lectures and, you know, go out and party and just have this crazy lifestyle, which is where, you know, you just have no idea what you're doing. And fast forward a few years to my, even my job at NEC, that, you know, was a shift-based job. So there was the morning shift and the afternoon shift and I would swap between those two shifts doing an admin role, but, you know, you need to support the shifts while they're on. So there was that as well. And then I also worked for Australia Post in their local call centre. And that was, you know, a call centre that opened from 8 in the morning till 8 at night. So there was shift work again. So I've actually been a shift worker, <laughs> worker for quite a lot of my life, Miss Audra. <laughs> Absolutely. My goodness. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And to... Yeah, and to take that forward with the food that you were talking about, absolutely, because you start, you know, it starts early. You grab the unhealthy processed food, sausage roll or and a coffee, run to work, run out, you know, that kind of food. That's what you're eating. There's no time for health or nutrition or to even think about it. And who thinks about it when you're 18 and 19, you know? We mm. all think we're invincible and nothing's ever going to get us, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think all of us can really resonate with that, yeah, particularly sure. when you're first starting, um, that you're just kind of in survival mode, you're catching sleep whenever, uh, and yeah, the, our food choices uh, kind of get, um, you know, and maybe not as good as they should be, um, you know, when you're working those those crazy hours. So. Oh. Definitely. I mean, this is going to sound really bad, but I think the healthiest thing I ever ate was a three o'clock in the morning kebab. Okay, right. Well, because, you know, you come out of the nightclub, you've saved your money for the kebab, and, you know, it's almost fresh meat. It's fresh lettuce, tomato, onion, you know, garlic sauce if you dare. And, yeah, it's like it's kind of healthy, sort of. (laughs) (laughs) There's meat meat and three veg in there. (laughs) Very macronutrient balanced. Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. But, look, Wendy, you have an incredible weight loss um, story and type 2 diabetes story. Yes. Can you share with our listeners, I guess, how you became overweight? Because... This, I mean, obviously, though, you was, you know, you mentioned that you weren't eating that well back then, though. Yes. This is, you know, this is going back quite a few years now. Um, but, you know, because you actually weren't overweight at all prior to moving to Australia. 
No, not at all. I was, I mean, I hate using the word, but I was almost skinny, you know, really lean, really skinny, very tall, you know, played a lot of sport, very athletic, was always on the move. And then I moved to Australia and my parents were working shift work to make ends meet when we first came. I was 15. We were latchkey kids. We, you know, ate the best that we could at the time, which was a lot of frozen fruit, frozen food, sorry, frozen meals, frozen hamburgers, you know, the come home from school, put the burgers on, you know, it's white processed bread in between the, you know, burger bun, whatever, you know, the 12 packets of chips, you had a couple of packets of those, that's what you ate. And then, yes, we, of course, we had food, you know, proper food and veg when mum and dad came home, but it was all the snacks, it was all the processed food, it was all, all that kind of food going from a mainly plant-based vegetarian diet eating in India. Yes, we did eat meat, not a lot of it. To suddenly you're eating a lot of meat, like, you know, your ham sandwiches and processed food and processed meat, full of, you know, the sad diet ingredients in your diet. Yes, we ate real food, as I like to call it, but we ate way too much processed food without, you know, realizing what we were doing to ourselves. So that's where my journey started with inappropriate food for my body type. Carrying on further, I was 15 when I moved to Australia. I had left all my friends, my family, my support network, everything was left behind and I was here. Yes, I had an amazing supportive extended family and friends that I had here to look after us, but I didn't realise, you know, that this had been affecting me and it's taken me quite a long time to realise the effect it had. So I started, and I didn't know this at the time, but I was using food as a drug. I was using food as a coping mechanism, you know, because it was easy to just shove a bucket of hot chips down your mouth. made you Mm. feel good. It took the pain away. It kind of numbed the pain, which I didn't even realize I was having. And this went on for years and years and years. And I... I guess I always wondered, you know, was I ever going to be diabetic because it's all all through my family on both sides of my family. But I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, whatever. No, that's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to let that happen to me kind of thing. But hello, I'm eating everything that I shouldn't be. I'm doing everything that I shouldn't be. And coming to Australia, I had a much more, you know, a lifestyle there where I didn't do a lot of movement because you went in a car everywhere. You went in a bus or a train. Whereas as a, as a young girl in India, I had my bike and I rode my bike everywhere, all over the city, you know, with my friends and stuff. And I played a lot of sport. I did all these things, but all of a sudden that's gone. And now I've got to create this new life. And unfortunately, it was a life that, you know, didn't involve a lot of movement at the time at all. So that was the start of my putting on weight. And I didn't think anything of it. And, you know, the weight just kept creeping on, creeping on. You just buy the next size up. You, mm. you know, you don't think about it. It's available. You just grab it. You know, you don't realize what's happening. And for me, really, it really didn't. I, there was no realization that hey, went you know you're going you're going up a size stop do something about it. No one ever said anything to me. No, nothing was ever said by my family, my friends, nothing. They just you know whatever. It wasn't really until I met Dunk and we got engaged, and then the usual well you got to find a wedding dress. Well, I want to look my best, so let's start. And then became a whole series of yo-yo diets, Gloria Marshall, Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, you name it, I tried it, you know. And sure, I I think I lost about 22 kilos in that year. Fabulous, you know, all good. But the moment the wedding was over, and, you know, I believe I looked the best that I could on the day, and I love looking at those photos, but 
the moment the wedding was over, I was like, oh, well, it's open season now. Do what you want. Go back to all the inappropriate eating without ever really understanding why I would eat the way I would or doing anything. And, you know, yes, and of course, Duncan and I ate healthy food as much as we could, but it, just, it was just this roller coaster that just kept going and going and going. And then came the part where I started having medical problems. I developed PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, and I got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. So, I got diagnosed in the year 2000, which was four years after marrying Dunk. And mm. I always thought, you know, I suspected something wasn't quite right for a couple of months. But then I finally went and did something, you know, went to the doctors, got the blood test, find out, oh, okay, all right, okay, we'll deal with this, no problem. But with that came the you might not be able to have a child conversation with my gynecologist. And the moment someone tells you you can't do something or you may not be able to do something, well, you have to do it, don't you? Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, Duncan and I did want a family. We wanted, you know, we wanted to have a child naturally. And then came 10 years of trying to be pregnant. I did Clomid. I did ovulation induction. I did a couple of rounds of IVF. But all the drugs they gave me, all the, you know, the infertility support that I was getting, I was just adding the weight on Audra. I think I put on like 30 kilos in two years, which is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And hindsight is a wonderful thing. I mean, how on earth was I ever going to conceive or carry a child when I was so overweight and my body just wasn't ready to, you know, have this happen to it? It was just never going to happen. And it was just, you know, and then because this is not happening, I need comfort. Hmm. I need, you know, so back came the inappropriate food, back came, you know, burgers, chips, whatever, you you know, all sorts of stuff, whatever numbed the pain. Well, it was good. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. I just did it. It was I didn't know any different. This was how I'd always coped. So that's so what it was I did. your yeah, that was your yeah. emotional eating. Absolutely. That kind of just got out of control over one hundred percent, Audra. Yeah. And you know, the the moment you get a car, you can go through the McDonald's drive through, you can stuff food down your face, throw the bag out before you've even left the car park and you haven't even had a conscious thought about what you're doing. You know, you've done it, you've hidden it from your family and friends and, you know, whatever, and you've just done it and no one knows you did it. Yeah, and I think you made a valid uh, point before, uh, Wendy, by, you know, saying, you know, it's just as easy just to kind of go up a size, you know, yes. kind of be in a bit of denial and just, you know, okay, I'll just buy the next size up. But if that keeps going, the next size up and then the next size up and the next size up, then yeah something's something's not not quite right there but um yeah so that my next question was yeah like uh, you know what made you decide you know that you needed to lose weight and obviously um you know it was you know wanting to have children yes um, was was definitely a big you know part of that and you then you went down that absolute roller coaster as you said, went for 10 years, which would have been incredibly emotional. There's another big emotional thing yes. going yes. on there. Um, so it was a bit of a catch-22. a catch 22. Um, But I guess what I'm, I'm sure our listeners are dying to know is how did you actually manage to lose the weight, because, which is that 40 kilos now eventually, sure. and, but, and also reverse your type to diabetes because that's that's really profound yeah well for me it's taken i will be honest and it's been really in just the last four years that this has happened yep 
all up, it's taken me, I'd say the weight loss started about three and a half years ago. So I'm going to be fair. You know, you don't put it all on at one time and you can't take it all off at one time. This is not, this is not the biggest loser. This is not the biggest loser, which is so unrealistic that, you know, it's not going to happen. So for me, it was obviously after my hysterectomy in 2007, I just decided, look, I really want a better quality of life. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I don't want to watch my life. I want to participate in my life. And about, I think I've told you this story before, but about four years ago in the school holidays, we usually try to have some young friends over and spend some one-on-one time with them. And I had my best friend's kids over and we went to the park, took a foot, you know, took a soccer ball, football, soccer ball, whatever. I don't want to argue, get into the debate about what it is. It's all good. It's a ball. Moving on. <laughs> I grew up calling it, uh, growing up football in India. So it's all good. I call it footy, football. We're all good. Moving on. So we're at the park and, you know, we got the kicking the ball around. And in five minutes, I was just exhausted, Audra. I was huffing, puffing, sweating. I, I just had to go and sit down. And I'm sitting there and watching Duncan and these two young people have the time of their lives, laughing, giggling, carrying on. And I'm sitting there with tears pouring down my face because I'm watching. I'm not participating. I'm watching. Mm-hmm. And I used to be the sportiest kid, you know, on in the neighborhood. And it's like, what are you doing? Who is this person? And I just went, this is not happening. So I decided I wanted to change, you know, I wanted to change. I wanted to do something. And about that time, the amazing Cindy O'Meara was coming to speak in Melbourne. Ah, the lovely Cindy. Uh-huh. We all love Absolutely. Cindy. <laughs> yeah. We do. We love Cindy. And <laughs> friends of mine that you know, Debbie Carr and Jody said, went, I think you should come and listen to this lady speak. She is amazing. She will, you know, she'll change it up for you. Well, they were spot on. I sat there, took it all in for that day. Couldn't believe the information I was hearing. Couldn't believe the education I was getting. I was like, oh, my God, what have I been doing to myself? You know, I've been thinking I'm eating right, you know, fat-free, sugar-free, dairy-free, all this stuff, when all it is is a chemical shitstorm. Sorry to swear, but that's what it was in my pantry and in my cupboard. So I bought Cindy's book, Changing Habits, came home, looked at all the food that really wasn't serving me well in my pantry and got rid of it all in one hit. It was like, no, not doing this anymore. So for me, it was, I call it my, you know, the famous aha moments. It was like, what have I been doing? I've been thinking I'm feeding Duncan and I great food, making good choices when I really wasn't. It was just chemicals I was putting in our body, mm. food full of additives, which was actually increasing my weight, not decreasing my weight. Yeah, that's the irony that of the low-fat like, revolution. Oh yeah, Exactly, exactly. Mm. I'm like, oh, my God, what have I been doing? So I decided after reading Changing Habits cover to cover in one sitting, <laughs> I was like, right. But I started slowly, Audra. I knew mm. I'd taken a while to put this weight on, and if I wanted to take it off, I had to do something about it slowly. So I started to change one thing at a time. Every time a product would, you know, we'd finish using something, say it was, I don't know, tomato sauce, for example, I'd go and buy organic, gluten-free, the best quality I could find on the market. Some of the stuff I, you know, bought immediately because I didn't want to use the inappropriate products for my body anymore and I didn't want to, you know, have Duncan eating them and I started slowly. And it took it took two and a half years. It took a lot of movement. It took a lot of mindset. It took a lot of, you know, really educating myself as to what I was eating and what I was putting in my body and on my body. And it came slowly and I was like, right, if I keep going like this, I am going to get myself off my medication as much as I can. And last year, January 2016, 
I call it Independence Day. Because I said to my diabetes specialist, I said, I don't think I need insulin anymore. And she looked at me and she went, whatever, okay. She was, all right, I'll order some blood tests. So she ordered the blood tests and, yeah, it proved I didn't need that insulin to support myself at mealtimes anymore. She couldn't believe it, Mm. but blood tests tests don't lie, Audra. They don't lie. Yeah. My GP was like, no, you don't need it. So, you know, I had his support and her support eventually. And she was like, well, what have you done? What surgery did you have? Did you have gastric bypass? I haven't had any <sighs> surgery. I'm like, no, me? Oh, my God, no way. I've had enough of hospitals to last me the rest of my lifetime. So, <laughs> no, it was diet. It was exercise. It was movement. It was mindset. You can't have one without the other. I had to have a holistic approach to this. And it took two and a half years, but I finally had two lots of blood tests. I had to, you know, she didn't believe the first lot of results, so we had oh, to wait for. Is no, that she didn't. right? Yeah, no, she couldn't believe it, wow. so we had to wait. For, so I did them in December before Christmas, and she goes, "Yep, yep, I'll see you in January to see if it's true." And I went, "I knew it was going to be true," you know. Do you remember so, what they were and what they became? Oh, yeah. Oh. I can't remember. I know my blood sugar levels used to hover around in the old, you know, the, the 9, 10 mark, mm-hmm. the BSL levels. Yeah. And in by December they were hovering around the 6 to 7 mark. Yeah. Wow. And then it was the same in January and she's yeah. like, oh, my God. Well, she goes, well, yes, you're right, blood tests don't lie. So, mm. you know, and it, it's really it was really hard for me because I walked, I'd walk into an office and they'd be, Diet Coke, caffeine-free, Weight Watchers, this, sugar-free, that, all strewn across a desk. And I'm just in there going, okay, 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 just come on, come on. She's got, she's the expert, she's the expert, she's the expert. And I did respect her and she did help me. I'm not saying she didn't, but it was like, well, hello, blood test, doesn't lie. Yeah. You know, that's it. And I have a little saying stuck on my fridge which says, you can either be the bin or you can put it in the bin. Oh, I, I love that. Oh, can you I say that again? I love that. So That's great. You can either be the bin or you can put it in the bin. Wow. And I decided I wasn't going to be the bin anymore. Yeah. Absolutely wow. not. Wow. So that, that's how I did it. And, you know, for me it was like slowly mm. take away all the processed food, get rid of anything sugar-free, fat-free, dairy-free, diet, get rid of it. I don't have it in my house, you know. I started eating lots more veggies, lots more real food, organic as much as I could, you know, not going drastic and, you know, I can't – I'm Indian. My background is Indian. And I've heard it from Cindy O'Meara. I've heard it from Pete Evans. I've heard it from Damien Christoph. I've heard it from people who are much wiser and smarter than me. Eat Indian food. That's what you ate for the first 15 years of your life. And for me, I'm like, I don't like Indian food. (laughs) You know that. We've had curry conversations. It's hilarious. That's I don't want to eat Indian food, but (laughs) you'll be glad to know I eat more Indian food. My body loves it. Yeah, there you go. It makes me feel better. It's a little bit of of my heritage back in my tummy every day, whatever I can deal with it. So it's just I think you have to really get clear about what you want, Audra, and what you're prepared to do to get to what you want. And really, wouldn't you rather – pay the farmer than the doctor or pay the farmer rather than the chemist for whatever you want, you know, or pay a hospital for an operation you don't need to have that, you know, you've just got to think about this. It's like, well, get educated, you know, get, get clear about what do you want? You can't give from an empty cup. You've got to be at your best if you're going to, you know, be, be there for your partner, your, 
your husband, your wife, your family, your kids, your grandkids, the people in your life, you know, you've just, you've just got to get clear. Yeah, beautiful. I think um, I think we can all. I mean, I can remember this. You know, the the nineteen nineties were look. You know, looking back now, probably you know, ended up causing a lot of health issues that a lot of people have now, where it was just this continual low fat revolution. Yes. Um, yes. You know, but our body needs you know healthy fats to function. Um, you know, important for producing hormones. Um, but, you know, for our um, the membranes of our cells, they're just fundamentally important. And then, you know, that's just the healthy fats. And then a lot of the products out there, as soon as you take the the, the fats out, well, it, it loses its taste. So what do the, you know, manufacturers do? Well, then they've got to put sugar in it to exactly. then bring the taste back. And I think a lot of people, you know, just, you know, they, they, they were given this misguided um, advice based on science that actually wasn't that credible um, at the time. And unfortunately, it's, um, you know, had a, a lot of negative effects on our health because we sort of were brainwashed into True. that. You know, it's got to be low-fat diet, you know, the Diet Cokes. And I remember buying all that stuff as well, oh. the, the diet soft drinks and stuff like that. And, and the margarine, something, you know, I look back at it now, I think, oh, my goodness, what was I doing? But, yeah, it's about, I think it's, you know, what you've done is is fantastic is, is you know, becoming more, um, you know, self-empowered and self-educated. And definitely, you know, Cindy Amira, she's one of, um, you know, my mentors that I've, like you, have followed yes. for quite a long time. I've actually got two of her books, Changing Habits, Changing Lives, up sitting up on my bookcase as I, as I speak to you now. And it's their books that I actually hand out to my clients as well because I think they're a great platform um, you know, for people to, to kind of start. So, um, yeah, so kudos to you. And obviously, you know, you said that it wasn't easy and I'm sure there were plenty of moments where you wanted to throw in the towel, but you kind of kept going um, to push through it. But I guess also too what I wanted to um, to ask Wendy is besides changing your eating habits, and I know that you mentioned about, you know, the, the mental side of things, but did you yes. implant – Sorry, implement other factors into your weight loss program, um, like meditation, for example, as well as the exercise and so forth? Yeah, definitely, Audra. I knew from reading Changing Habits, which you have read as well, mm. that I really, as I said before, you have to get clear, but you have to know your why. You have to know why you want to do this and, Absolutely. you know, what what is the yep. – it's not like – you know, it's almost like a vision board. What, what do you want? What is the vision of yourself? So for me to stay on track, I keep a health journal. I get myself the Australian Women's Health Diary every year and in it I use to – you know, I write down my blood sugar levels when I've tested. I write down how I'm feeling or say I'm not feeling particularly well or something. I started writing down what I was doing. And when I was really at the start of this journey, my GP suggested to write a food diary, not to, you know, not to police it or anything, but just mm. write what I was eating and what I was doing. So he wanted – I wanted to – sorry, he suggested write it down and just have – you know, have a pattern of what you're doing and, you know, what your moods were doing or, you know, how you cope with stress or what you did. And for me, it was enlightening because I knew I had to put something into that diary every day. And, I, you know, I was quite diligent about it. So I didn't want to write that I'd eaten inappropriate food for my body type in that. So I didn't do it. And it was, you know, that's the mindset. It's mm. like, okay. But I was also kind to myself. I definitely tried meditation. I struggled to start doing it. But I, I, I've got better with it, you know, and it's definitely about 
being mindful, having that thought, having that five minutes of the day, just, I don't know, with a cup of lemon tea and some quiet, whether it's out in your backyard or in your home or wherever it is, just like, you know, just center yourself and just what is your intention for the day? What do you want out of this day? Physically, mentally, you know, emotionally, what, what do you want? What do you want to achieve? And I had to do that. And for me, it was all about the getting clear. It was all about having the vision of what I wanted my life to be. I didn't want to be sitting on the sidelines. I didn't want to be the fat chick on the bus. I didn't want to be, oh, no, I'm too tired. I'm not coming out. You know, I still have my days where I don't feel 100%. I still have my days where I just want to slam down, you know, a bucket of chips and gravy. But those days getting fewer and far between. And if I do have beautiful hot chips, which was my drug of choice, it's homemade best quality or at a fabulous restaurant which does the best thing so I'm not saying you know I'm perfect 100% of the time because I'm not I never will be I don't aim to be but I just aim to be real and know that I've got to have all these components you know there's got to be movement there's got to be good food there's got to be some me time there's got to be some mindful time and that's how I try to set up each day you know, to make sure I have the best quality of day that I can. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, it's getting it's getting that nice balance and, and doing things that, you know, like meditation also actually helps to calm the nervous system down. It's going yes. to reduce your stress, which, you know, is one of the things that actually can lead to, um, you know, weight gain as well. So, and I love the journal factor that you mentioned too because yes. that kind of – gives you a little bit of accountability without being obsessed absolutely. about it though. I don't, oh, absolutely. I'm not really too keen on, um, you know, some of the, the diet diaries and that that are out there. I think it's great to do for a little while, but, yeah, without sort of being too harsh on yourself. And, and as you said, you know, having your chips or whatever and every now and then, I mean, goodness, you know, you've, you've got to live, but it's you're just having that, you know, most of the time, um, you know, or, you know, eating well foods and having a treat occasionally. So exactly, mm. exactly. You know, you have to do that. We're human human beings, not human doings. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I love also how you mentioned about your why, because at the end of the day, your why is always what's going to motivate you to to achieve that goal, whatever it is. Um, in your case, it was to lose weight. Because if your why is not big enough, it's not you know, you're not going to reach that goal. So, and you obviously had a, a massive why, you know, wanting to improve your health and well-being and, and, and be able to get back to living again. So, yeah, well, look, this has been absolutely fascinating chatting uh, with you. Wendy, I guess one thing that I wanted to mention to our listeners, and look, I think you've already spoken to about it a few times, <laughs> um, but just before we wrap up the podcast, is it that weight gain in the development of type 2 diabetes can be very complex and very multifactorial. Uh, you know, we haven't, in this podcast episode, we haven't really gone into a lot of the mechanisms behind it, but we've certainly yes. talked about behavioral things that can actually lead to the development of, um, you know, weight gain and obesity. Definitely. And, and look, as Dr. Libby Weaver says in her book, uh, Accidentally Overweight, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a gradual ongoing process, which is why losing the weight is not going to happen overnight either um and again you you spoke about that a couple of times which is yeah which is fabulous uh, but wendy i know you have a podcast as well called wendy's way um, yes. because we pretty much started our podcast around the same time just over a year ago but how can people find you if they're wanting to learn more about you sure so i'm on social media so it's wendy's way on facebook my website is www.wendysway.com.au please come and check it out follow me on social media follow my podcast 
podcast. Subscribe to my podcast would be great. I mean, you're already subscribed to the Amazing Orders podcast. So, you know, come and, come and have a listen to me. We started, I think, the same month within a couple of weeks of each other, and we've been on this journey together. So we it's have. been a heap yeah. of fun. We've had a lot of laughs along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, I'll make sure that I include all that information uh, in the show notes. But thank you so very much for joining me today, Wendy, and for being so courageous, you know, to share your story. You're an absolute inspiration. And it goes to show that if you really want to do something, you can achieve it. um, But it just requires, you know, a lot of hard work. Yes, it does. And as Oprah said, if there was a pill to reduce weight or a machine or some magic thing, she would own it and sell it. And there isn't. So I just say, you know, take it easy. Be kind to yourselves always one step at a time, one day at a time, one meal at a time. I love it. Love it. Thank you very much. Well, look, that's it for today's edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback and there are many ways you can do this via my Facebook page, The Healthy Shift Worker, through my website, healthyshiftworker.com, or you can visit The Wellness Couch at thewellnesscouch.com and leave a comment there. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit as this will help me to spread the Healthy Shift Worker message to shift workers and organizations both here in Australia and all around the world. If you'd like access to more free resources, including my newsletter, just visit my website, healthyshiftworker.com and enter your name and email address. Now, make sure you tune in to my next podcast, episode 36, as I have a super special announcement to make, which I can't wait to share with you all. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be, despite working 24-7. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.